you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy hellman hello it is great to be back with you this week today we are shaking things up we are doing things a little bit differently As I've been speaking with people who are thinking about joining the Academy, because before anyone can sign up for our Interior Design Academy, they have to talk to me so I can understand their goals and make sure that this is the correct program that aligns. Well, you know, as I'm guiding them through all the different things that are included with the Uploft Interior Design Academy, we're talking about the modules, we're talking about the book, we're talking about the Facebook group. There's also this other dimension that I think really sets us apart from other programs, and it's our coaching sessions. So not only do you get three one-on-one coaching sessions where you can truly ask me anything about areas you're stuck in terms of the educational modules, about areas you're stuck in terms of working with your own clients. We also have group coaching sessions once a month that take place on Facebook where our members from all around the world, Serbia, New Zealand, Canada, the United States, of course, gather to ask their questions and share their perspectives. I think it's one of the most valuable parts of the academy because it's so different than you'll get in other programs, but also it keeps me sort of on the pulse of what the students are doing, what they're needing help with, where they're getting stuck. So today I am joined by one of our amazing students, Courtney. Now you've heard Courtney on the podcast before. She shared her story of being interior design curious and working as an assistant all the way to enrolling in the academy and now working for herself and taking her own clients. And she is here for a coaching session and has agreed to let me tape it and share it with you. Because as I'm talking to these prospective students, they're saying, Betsy, what is a coaching session like? What do you cover? So this is just a quick snapshot, and I'm very grateful to Courtney for joining us. Courtney, tell the listeners, just remind them about yourself, and then let's get into it. Sure. Thank you so much, Betsy. This is great. These are my favorite. Um, My name is Courtney Clark, um, and as Betsy mentioned, I started as a design assistant and then opened my business after completing the academy. And my company is called Marblehead Interiors, and I am down in the Tampa Bay area of Florida. Wonderful. So how we kick off these sessions is typically, you know, she'll send in a form and let me know the things she wants to cover, and then we'll dig right in. So Courtney, let's just dig right in. Let's get to the good stuff. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Well, this is perfect because I'm currently working with a new client who 
it's it's a new build, so everything's brand new. Um, it's beautiful, and I'm trying to work with them. And it's funny with these new builds. One of my biggest hurdles is how open and large the walls are. So I wanted to ask you today because I've been trying to just be as creative as possible and figuring out what options um, to give them when when it comes to artwork. They don't like a lot of not personal artwork on their walls. They really want it to be meaningful and represent them and their family, the area we live. So we've definitely been able to have a lot of things that will work. But my question is, and I wanted to get some feedback, is with these walls that range at least 16 to 18 feet long, how to really make them feel more intimate without doing several gallery walls or groupings of three so that because they're also a fairly open floor plan, that it doesn't seem like you're being attacked by several pieces of artwork, but to still make it fill the space appropriately. So yeah, so I just kind of wanted to, you know, maybe pick your brain a little bit about different options of doing that so that again, it's not multiple pieces on every wall and that it still doesn't look like it's too small for the space. Right, because multiple multiples can start to make the space look and feel cluttered, even if it's just on the walls, even if it's not something you're tripping over. Visually, it can look a little overwhelming and overstimulating. Right. And the other thing that I've noticed about new builds, and tell me if this applies to your clients, is oftentimes the ceilings are quite high. So not only are the walls really long, they're Mm -hmm. also pretty high. It's not that standard eight-foot ceiling any longer. And so you really need to pick something that has big impact. Correct. Is that the case for this client or not? It's a hundred percent. They are 10 foot ceilings. Um, and again, we're in Florida. So a lot of the walls are taken up by sliders or, you know, multiple windows. So it's like I said, it's beautiful, but yes, it is. They are high, they're tall, they're narrow. So even like, for instance, in our dining space that we're working with, there's not room for a credenza. The table just fits Mm. right in its nook. So it's not even that I could play with the wall space under a piece of furniture and just, you know, balance it out that way. There's no room for furniture. So it has to balance spatially against the wall. So yes, high, wide, and just trying to figure out, you know, what other options are that maybe I could, that I'm not thinking of. Well, the first thing I'd want to do is I'd want to reduce the amount of wall space, which means that I'd use drapes Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to really emphasize the length and the height of the room. So, of course, I like to hang my drapes higher and outside the window, especially if they're purely decorative. If nobody's going to draw these, say they have blinds. And then I would hang it significantly outside, like between 8 and 12 inches for that bracket. And, you know, if the window's only like under, my guideline is under 60 inches. Typical designers, you do double the width of drapery that you have with the window. But in my case, I'm fine if they're just purely decorative because most panels are 50 inches wide. So I'll do a 50 inch wide panel on each side, but I'll hang it out 12 inches. So that way it eats up two feet of wall and dries your eye up and could introduce a pattern and could introduce some color because a lot of these people have opted for neutral wall colors when they did the builder's choice, right? There wasn't an option to do something really loud. So you can make that statement with drapes and it can serve as like a sculptural wall hanging 
in essence. And it also provides you with a soft texture because the problem with art is, you know, it's hard, it's framed, it's two-dimensional. You're not going to get that sort of beautiful, luxurious fabric treatment from most pieces of art. The other thing I like to think about is maybe not doing a piece of framed art. What else could we do thinking outside the frame? So if I have a piece of framed art above the fireplace and I have a piece of framed art on the wall opposite, maybe the wall perpendicular, I'm going to do like a large clock or, you know, a credenza is pretty deep because it has doors. So that's more like 16 to 20 inches deep. But I might do some shelving that could go really high. That would only be 11 inches deep. Do we have room for that, right? Because shelving can, you know, really give you that visual interest. And then, of course, you can put sculptures inside. You can put picture frames. You can display, you know, different items. You can turn one part of it into a bar. So shelving can really be your friend in those scenarios. And then the other thing you want to make sure you're doing, something that you brought up in your earlier part of your question, was how do I make it personal? So you want to make sure that uh, when you're initially meeting the client, when you're having them fill out that questionnaire, you want to make sure that the questionnaire addresses different ways that you like to get to know your client. At our firm, we change the questionnaire regularly. So every six to 12 months, we ask our designers what new questions you want to add on, what new information would you like, but we do cap it at between 10 and 20 questions because otherwise it's kind of overwhelming for a client just onboarding with you to like yeah. spill their guts. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just but make your, what was that? Give me your journal. Let me know everything. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And they're already daunted oftentimes by hiring an interior designer. Typically it's right. not something they thought they were going to do. They're kind of taking this leap. They've never done it before. So I don't want to overwhelm them. So we really target those questions. How can I get to know this person? Right. And a way that cracks them open design-wise for me, right? Where are they from originally? What do they do for hobbies? Where do they travel, you know, on their honeymoon or their favorite vacation? Just give me a sense of who you are, what you like. Uh, sometimes I go quite literal with something like a map. Sure, yeah. Especially if it's a lesser known place that's not so obvious and where I just need something as background rather than an loud, abstract piece of painterly art, but uh, it can give me some insights into the type of person they are. Mm -hmm. I had this client the other day. Oh my goodness. Uh, I'm working with him right now and I wasn't getting a good sense of him and I was doing his entire three bedroom apartment. It just was a lot, tons of walls. I needed to really have some ideas. And from my questionnaire, I wasn't even getting enough. He was being super vague, filling it out really fast probably. Uh, I just wasn't getting answers. So I said, I need you to send me a list of some things that I might not know about you that would help tell me who you are inside, who your friends see when they look at you. He sent me some crazy stuff. Like I play chess blindfolded. All right. Right. <laughs> right? Okay. Right. And I mean, just meeting this guy, you never know. Uh, he loves like meditation I did not know that. All these things are informing me. He goes to Japan all the time. His family descended from Italy. All this information is like moving in on me in a really interesting way where even if I don't find something literal, like a map of Japan, I now understand what might resonate with him. Yeah, of course. Wow, that's great. That's just like asking that one extra question to really like dig a little bit deeper than just the standard, you know, what do you think your style is? 
just to kind of understand them a little bit more. Okay. Right. So maybe your questionnaire isn't working for you. And it's so fun. That should be a, a flexible document. Don't set it in stone because, you know, sometimes it doesn't work on all people. And so by changing a little bit, you can say, oh, this works a lot better. I'm getting more information when I ask, tell me five things only your friends know about you. Yeah. Okay. That's great. I love the, I, and I do love the, the, uh, the unframed artwork. Um, but then that was just one in this particular situation, just knowing that it needs to be personal for them, which I'm totally on board with. I feel the same way. So, but like now just to kind of think out a little bit out, more outside the box to get that feedback from them. So that'll certainly help. And the shelving can help too, because depending on how your fee structure is based, they're going to need accents for that shelving. They're going to want you to pick out the bookends. They're going to want you to pick out the decorative frames. So it can really lead to even more work and they're getting a more complex room visually, which is exciting too. Yeah. It's a win-win. Yeah. Okay. Um, Kind of on the same idea, when it comes to putting in like picture molding or chair railing, what are your, like some of the guidelines for that? Again, because I, I was thinking of maybe offering that idea to them just to kind of like make it a little cozier and eat up some of the large wall space. For instance, their hallway, when you enter the home, it's a 20 foot long by six foot wide hallway of just wall. And again, we're looking to put in a gallery wall, which I think will be beautiful. But I was also thinking if not just to have framed art, if, you know, to put in a chair, you know, picture molding on the bottom or some sort of board and batten accent um, and just kind of wanted to get your feedback on visually that ending in the hallway when then it kind of opens up into an open concept. Does that make sense? from a design perspective to only have it in say the hallway and not throughout the entire open kitchen family area. Right. Right. Yes. Will it feel not cohesive if you don't bring in those elements of molding in the other areas in the same way? I don't want it to feel disjointed by just having that as you enter, but I just, again, thought it might be a nice visual have nice visual appeal when you walk in because it is such a giant space because you can't really put furniture in it. You know, it's very limited in that. The actual square footage is limited, but you have all this wall space and it needs to be grand. It needs to be a little over the top, but you can't actually put anything on the floor. So how do you do this? And oversized art can feel massive, dominating, expensive, hard to find, not perfect for that area. Too many gallery walls can feel visually cluttered. Uh, definitely. So I love the idea of incorporating some architectural detail, like a really interesting molding. But you have to be careful because it's expensive, right? And it's a custom treatment. And you're going to have to sell your client on this big expense. They just bought this brand new house that they thought was great. And now you're telling them that architecturally, they're going to need to change what it looks like inside. The key for me when I'm trying to convince a client that this would be worth it is to find a similar inspiration picture online. Sure. Okay. So that way you don't have to convince them that it's going to be fabulous. You can show them that it's going to be fabulous. So go on Google, search the idea you have, find a similar foyer. 
that has similar height and really share your idea. It might even give you new ideas. For sure. The one thing I would avoid with those super high ceilings and a lot of vertical wall space is doing any sort of like chair rail that's low. Right. If you remember when I was wedding dress shopping, you weren't wedding dress shopping with me, but maybe you got the same note when you were wedding dress shopping. But uh, I don't know if I completely agree with it, but it's interesting because I watched a lot of Say Yes to the Dress too. So now I can't remember if it was my wedding dress shopper or Say Yes to the Dress. (laughs) I can't remember. It's all a blur. But they were basically saying don't do a belted dress because it breaks up that clean line. You know, If you want to emphasize your height, if you want to show off your height, then you wouldn't want to break it uh, at a small point at the waist with a belt. And it's the same thing with a chair rail. I don't want you to do a three to four foot high chair rail when you have 20 foot ceilings or whatever it is, right? Uh, because it's going to look silly and out of proportion. It's going to really break up the beautiful long line. So if you want to do molding, it has to fit the proportion of the space, which is ginormous, which is a lot of molding, which is a lot of expense. So you're going to have to sell them on that vision. Okay. And as a new designer, you also need to sell yourself on the cost, expense, style, design. So the the thing I'd recommend is get that inspiration photo. And then make sure, because it opens into those other spaces, that there's a clean architectural break. Is there a place where I could stop this organically because there's an opening, because the stairway ends right there, because the wall technically ends even though it's open to the kitchen? You want to make sure that there is an organic break. Same thing with an accent wall, wallpaper. If there's no natural break, you got to continue it. Yeah, keep going. That's right. And then maybe it starts getting expensive or overwhelming or starts not fitting in these other rooms. Right. Yeah. No, I, that's what I was thinking. And there is a break and I just, okay. Yeah, that makes total sense because I can see it getting like, and then it's almost like you take the visually challenging framework and then it's just all this woodwork and then you're, there's a lot happening. So, and you have to be mindful of how you're going to paint it. Yeah. Right. And so there's a lot, it opens up a whole can of worms when you're architecturally changing things. And also architecturally, you need to stay a little bit more cohesive than you do with just furniture right? With furniture, if in one room I have a different kind of furniture, as long as it's not directly open to the other room, I can kind of go in a different style. Right. If you choose to do chunky, quite prominent molding, I might want to bring in a chair rail in the dining room with lower ceilings. I might feel like that's important. I can't have this be the only space that has prominent molding. Right. Okay. So just think about that and then does it snowball into a larger project or is it really increasing the visual value of this home? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, beautifying your home for less, styling your home, and the fundamentals of feng shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. 
You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. I have a question for you while you're thinking. All right. Because I can see that you're sort of in between questions. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) My notes. What is your biggest challenge now as a new business owner? What are you coming across? The probably the biggest challenge I'm having right now is I'm trying to think of how to word this correctly. So I think it's either having the designs that I'm coming up with kind of tweaked in certain ways where Say if I started like a family room and I sourced a rug as, and that's my inspiration piece. And then they changed their mind and their the client's like, well, I don't need a rug anymore. And then I kind of have to like re, re, readjust everything. That's been kind of challenging lately where, you know, we set a scope of work with certain items that need to be sourced. And I build out this entire concept for them. And then they'll say, well, we don't need this anymore, but it's usually like a pivotal piece. And it's not even like, we don't like it. We just, we're not going to make that expense right now, which I understand. So I think that's kind of been the most challenging because then I kind of have to rework everything that I've spent the time on to do, which, you know, it happens. Um, So I think that's been one of the biggest challenges lately. And then- Well, let's tackle that before you talk about it. Yeah. That, that's its own discussion. Um, and then and then keep that other one. Okay. So then we'll do that too, if, if that's a pressing question for you for today. Yeah. But so it sounds like to me that you're creating this amazing plan. You've already decided, you know, that this is the budget. Everything you're finding fits within that budget. This is the transformation we want. Everything you're finding fits within that transformation. But then they change their mind and it's the pivotal piece. It's the keystone. And then you have to reverse engineer the design so that you either change the inspiration item or find something else that fits the exact same color palette to make it work. Does that sound right? That's right. Yep. A hundred percent. Here's a couple tips I might give you. Before I shop a client's shopping list, Mm -hmm. I show them everything I'll be finding because sometimes I know there's going to be a rug. Heck, we even talked about there being a rug, but I want them to see the exact list of things I'm going to start shopping for. Okay. So if they decide they don't want pillows, if they decide they're not going to do drapes because they're purely decorative, these are things I need to know up front. Okay. Because if I base the entire design on drapes and they're like, oh, not an expense we need, especially because we're never going to close them. Right. Then I know that right away before I dig in. Okay. And then if we've already approved that list, they said, Betsy, I want the drapes. I want the rug, everything like that. I do the whole presentation. And they're like, Betsy, I don't want a rug anymore. We've just decided, you know, I will share the importance of that item, right? This item brings all the colors together. Now I'm happy to find you a different rug or I'm happy to rework the design, but I want to share with you 
that a rug is really important in this room because it anchors all the furniture. It defines the area as separate from the zone next to the windows. You know, I would push back a little bit and make sure not to just say, oh, okay, I get it. But, you know, you're there to lend your expertise and you're there to give them the best possible space for their budget and needs. And it's your job to advocate for things they need. I know you're never going to draw these drapes, but let me just tell you right now, having beige 14 foot high walls, that's not doing anything for your room. And these drapes, while they're $75 a panel, plus you buy the rod for $100, while it seems extraneous, this is the wow factor. And we can get rid of the wow factor. I'm on your side. You have ultimate veto power, but you also hired me to share with you things that you might not see. So it's about that dialogue. It's about showing your expertise without being insistent, about staying on their team, but you're the coach, man. Yeah. Don't lay down. I want to see you hit that ball. You'll love the rug. You will love the rug. And it's not about the rug. It's about the room. Right. It's not about the drapes. It's about the room. Right. It's about the experience of the room. And, you know, you've heard me say on previous coaching sessions and maybe even on the podcast, I fight three times. Right. Which it's I about the room. use that. I have a hundred that in the practice. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when they push back, I'll re-guide them three times. This rug is important because it defines the room. This rug is important because it gives us the whole color palette. This rug is important because the room is very cold visually, not mm -hmm. temperature wise, but visually it needs the softness of a textile. And this rug is going to bring that and more. And then they say, Betsy, we're not buying a rug. And I say, oh my goodness, I think that's a really good idea. You know what? No. Right. And I immediately switch back to their team. Mm -hmm. Yep. And in fact, I go to their side. Right. So I drop all my rug righteousness. Yep. And I say, you know what? I could totally see that. That makes sense. Why don't I just give you more vibrant pillows and we'll use that as the inspiration. Okay. Yeah. But also I sometimes, and I had a really hard time with this as a new designer, we're making it better, not perfect. Right. I had a hard time because I want it to look like better homes and gardens. I want it to look like HGTV. But that's not where they are right now. Right. That's not the budget they have. They have a dog who pees all over everything. This rug is going to get destroyed in two seconds. Well, that makes sense. And while I want you to have a rug, I don't want your house to smell like urine. No. We're not doing a rug. And that makes so much sense. Right. Well, that's the thing, the logic of it, you know. Mm -hmm. So I have to remind myself in those days when I've, you know, had to kill my darlings, right? The <laughs> things that I think just make the room and how could they not go for this? And now we have to just discard it because of X, Y, Z. I'm making their lives better, not perfect. Right. No, mm -hmm. that's, you're right. I need to think of it like that. That's just like my biggest thing right now of the, you know, I guess it's even that aspect of it. And then just like the timing of then just kind of, and then, you know, a lot of other things that just kind of like need to get shifted. So, but yeah, I'll work through it. That's part of the game, right? Like the more experience I get and being able to have these challenges, I'll, you know, be able to handle them better each time they come. And the more you can tell them, this is what I'm doing. Are you okay with this? The more agreements you can get along the way. Right. 
the less you'll spin your wheels and say, oh my goodness, I really want to add, you know, a centerpiece on the dining table. I when I want to add a tablecloth. And they're like, oh no, we don't, we don't work like that. We're right. really simple. We don't want to have to dust that. And you're like, oh sh- I added that in on my own accord and now I've wasted 30 minutes of my time and I'm not going to get compensated. So the best thing is to, you know, get that approval in advance. Right. But I know you had another thing that was weighing on you. You mentioned oh, the challenge. I should have written it down. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, that one just popped into my head. Um, this is story of my life. Summer, too. I have, like, total summer brain being home. I'm trying to... Well, you don't have out. to have another challenge, but I just wanted to make sure not to skip it. Yeah, no, no. I think that was really just the... And I think it's more like, you know, wanting to, you know, present to them that great design, you know? And I guess I just have to, like... It is what it is. It's going to happen and that's fine. And I think just really along the same kind of lines, like it doesn't have, it's happened a couple times where we get to the presentation and then like, I think it's really just life gets in the way for people, which is coming, you know, it's summer now, people are doing things, the kids are out from school, but I've just found that there's a few of my clients that I'm having a hard time reconnecting with, like after the initial you know, the present, like going through everything just to keep trying to finalize their selections. Yeah. It's just kind of like radio silence. And, you know, I talk to them and they're just like, oh, we're busy, but I feel like I want to finish this for them. I want them to be able to move forward and, you know, finalize their spaces. So I guess it's just like, you know, how many times of following up or is it just like, you kind of just as a business owner now, just they'll, I'll do the best I can and then they'll come to me when they're ready to finish it or I don't know. Yeah. No, no. And I'll tell you why not. Maybe a year ago, I would have had a different answer. But now with supply chain issues, you know, if you create a presentation for them, in two months, all those items are gone. They're on back order. They're no longer being created. The stock is depleted. We have no idea when we'll get more in. Now, if you wait more than three weeks, your design is obsolete. And all the work you did, all the items you found, they don't exist. And your client is not left with just a design they're delaying. They're left with a design they can't execute. And so you need to, as the person who's creating your own business, and by business, I mean rules of the game, you decide what the rules are. In my business, we have a policy that if you don't purchase these things within three weeks or make a move or whatever, if an item goes out of stock, you have to pay us to find replacements because we can't be reinventing your design. It takes a lot of work to start over. It takes a lot of work to lose that inspiration piece, that amazing piece of art that you've based the entire design on that they also loved is now out of stock, never to be reproduced, never coming back, or at least no timeline that we're aware of. And it's now changed the pillows, the drapes, the rug, the armchair color. Oh my gosh. So, you know, we want to give clients time to make decisions, time to get busy. But if they've called us, we assume they're ready to design. So that is an agreement you have to make up front right? That this is an expectation I have that you're willing to and ready to buy right now or else these things are obsolete. And certainly you can buy things that are similar. 
Certainly you can look at the mood board and say, oh, it's a gray couch with teal drapes and you can recreate that with whatever you find. But if I have to go back to the drawing board and find replacements for all this, that's going to be extra. Yeah. I mean, that hasn't happened yet, but it's, it's definitely, that's another hurdle with just a handful where it's, it just kind of like, I don't know where they went. <laughs> like, and I don't, and that's to your point, you know, I don't want them to not be able to, because I have it written out that at the time that I presented you this concept, everything's in stock. Like I'm obviously not going to source anything that's not ready to go. But yeah, I guess now I should include something that if we don't come to an agreement within a certain time frame, because that I don't have in my agreement that, you know, we may have to readjust, you know, how to order something or for me to source a different piece. That's right. And, you know, I always let them know I'm happy to do so. It's no problem. I totally understand things get in the way, but it will be extra. But if you don't let them know that at the beginning of the engagement, they're not going to like that surprise. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. So you do have to set those terms of service, what it looks like when you're working with me. So that way everyone's on the same page. And sometimes, you know, we lay this out in a sales call. So our sales script has all of this in it. And when they say, oh, you know what? I'm not moving for three months. I just wanted to get a leg up on everything. We say, now's not the right time for you to design. I'm going to have this design ready for you in two weeks. And if you don't order by the end of that month, these things are no longer available. And they're like, oh my goodness, because we have to educate them about the industry as well as educating them about their style and all of that. But that's just a reality that they don't even know. So they don't understand. Most of my clients don't understand the supply chain issues. And this was an issue that was happening before, but not in a significant way. And now it's constant. Yeah. Well, that it just happened to me last week. Luckily, you know, we're moving on this client's moving along and we're purchasing and purchasing, but it was available the day I presented. And then like later that day, it was out of stock and luckily it's back in. It wasn't a huge deal, but it was like within hours, it was no longer available. So, I mean, I totally get why it happens or that it's happening. I just, it makes me frustrated for the client because I want it to be finished for them, but then I can't get them to reconnect with me. So I guess I'll just have to put that clause in the agreement to keep it in a timely manner. And, you know, they may not be clients you want to work with. So if during that sales call, you know, you have a client who says, oh, that's not going to work for me. I like to think about these things. I want to spend six months, you know, kind of collaboratively working with you and buying one thing at a time. Is that the way you want to work? There is a lot to that. That's the way a lot of high-end designers work. It's not a way I like working. So I'm making the rules in my own game. That's not going to happen here. We're not the perfect fit for you. Let me guide you to another resource that I think, you know, works just that way. So just know and stand in your power that not every client is the perfect client for you. If you're feeling frustrated, if you're feeling like, wait, we're not getting the goal here that we were all shooting for and that was really meaningful to me, use that as information when you're creating your plan. I didn't like it when this happened. How can I prevent that in the future? Is it a clause or is this the type of person who doesn't like to work the way I like to work? And then adapt your plans. But I do think when you're starting your business and even when you've been running it for 17 years, treat it as an experiment. What do I like? What don't I like? What's working? What is no longer working? 
and if you constantly reevaluate your business through that lens, not only will you stay more current with what's happening in the design world, you'll also be more fulfilled because you're doing just what you like to do with people you like to do it with. Yeah, that's definitely. The last six months have been really fun of going through those checklists of like, this was a great fit, this what, you know, because you do you just kind of hone your craft a little bit more every time. So I, I like doing that. That was always really good advice for me to stand in my space and just do it the way that it works best for me. But yeah, I guess it's like my heart too. I'm like, oh, I just want you to have the space that I know you were so excited to have. And I, like, I feel bad not having it finished for them. But I imagine it's like a doctor or like a therapist, but you know, when the doctor sees all the health you could have and gives you this nutritional plan and tells you the supplements you need to take and has this dream for what your life is going to look like in a year. And then you're like, oh, I forgot to take my supplements. Oh, I'm not going to eat my leafy greens. You know, we can dream all we want for a client, but it has to meet them where they are. Right. That's and then a really we have to, Yeah. Then we have to let the result go. Right. Because I get these beautiful... Um, after pictures from my clients, you know, because at our firm, we give them the design plan and they implement it for the most part. Right. I'm not the one unboxing their pillows. I'm not the one styling their bookshelves, but I'm giving them all the directions. Then they send me these very excited emails, which I love to receive with these very exciting pictures with all the stuff we selected. But, you know, there's all this folded laundry on the table. The dog (laughs) toys are strewn all over. And I'm like, wait. Now, of course, that's reality. That's my design meeting them where they are. And that's my design in its most perfect form, being practical and pretty. But it's like, oh, could we move the dog toys? Oh, could your kids (laughs) put them in their backpack? Uh, So, you know, it's never going to be exactly what we want. I mean, even our own homes, I get five minutes after I clean where it's just, just the way I like. Oh yeah. And then my kids come home from camp. It's like, (laughs) it just breaks your heart. Like I just, I was like, could you eat over a plate right now? Cause I just cleaned the kitchen. And you think, I mean, it's such a weird request for me to ask that it's Super I don't bizarre. think it is. Don't let your kids gaslight like, you. That is not a weird. It is not. It's so simple. So simple. But, but no, I guess it's just, and maybe it's like the anxiety of being so new in my business and in the industry that I just really, I, I want it. I want them to love it, you know. And I guess it has to be better and not perfect. Well, and it sounds like to me, you're trying to prove something to them, prove that you're a good designer, maybe even prove to yourself with that amazing reveal. You know, we all want our clients to have that moment, but sometimes that's not what they're looking for, right? Even just having the plan of what they can execute over time when they find those items on Facebook Marketplace gives them the remedy for their illness versus the bigger vision we had for them. Right. But I had a vision of all of this. I had a vision, you know, that you'd be running marathons and triathlons and eating your yogurt and, you know, probiotics. And it's just not going to happen because that's not what they really wanted. So we have to let go of the result in some ways, as long as they're telling us they've gotten what they need. Right. No, you're right. That makes sense. Is this, was this like a normal reaction? Like what starting out? Like, is this, I think it's a normal reaction at any time. 
and I think if you're getting your fulfillment from the ultimate result, you're setting yourself up for failure. I think about that in a lot of different areas of life, right? It's the journey, not the destination. For sure. So if you can't make the journey fulfilling, it might be hard when you don't get the result. But the other thing I will say is you might just be working with the wrong clients. Gotcha. Because I have a number of clients who are like, Betsy, do it all for me. Like that guy I was just referencing. What was I talking about him about? I can't remember. Um, Oh, his background, like all of his interests and everything. The blindfolded chess player. Yes, yes, yes. So anyway, (laughs) you know, he wants me to take over and just do everything. And those are beautiful experiences where I get my wow, he gets his wow. Of course, I earn it, blood, sweat, and tears. And that I'll get that feeling. But uh, maybe you just need more Johns. Yeah. And less Teresa's or whatever. So use that as information. Hey, this was not artistically fulfilling. I have found a way to become artistically fulfilled by the mood board, the floor plan, and handing it to them and saying, here's your baby. Yeah. Right. But that's not most interior designers' idea of fulfillment. Most interior designers want to put the flowers in the vase, want to karate chop the pillow. And that's not something I need anymore. Okay. So just figure out. It doesn't make it wrong. It just makes it wrong for you. Right. Okay. And maybe it's wrong for where you are right now. I never used to do these plans where I would hand them off when I was a young designer. I was going to micromanage everything. I even sewed their curtains. Oh, bless your heart. I I was a real micromanager. Uh, (laughs) I even assembled their Ikea furniture. That was not micromanaging. I was just uh, without a handyman. But (laughs) yeah, yeah, that was a problem. But anyway, you'll find your way. Treat it as an experiment and listen to your gut. If something's unfulfilling, if this isn't the career you hoped for, change it. You made the rules. I only work with clients who let me execute from A to Z. I only work with clients who are ready to buy within the next three weeks. I only work with clients who whatever. That will set you apart from your competitors and it will make you happier in the long run. Okay. That's Sound great. Good? Yeah, totally. Well, again, all these little kinks that I'm learning along the way, you know, just dealing with all sorts of different people. So, And I want you to feel, just on a last note. Yeah. I want you to feel the freedom, right? Because sometimes it can feel frustrating, like I'm trying to find my way or I made a mistake and now I don't want to work that way. I want you to understand that when you are working for a large firm or anybody else, you just have to power through and deal with the issues. When you're playing your own game, when you've created your own world, treat it as, you know, a journey to perfection. And if I didn't like that, I'm not doing that anymore. Mm -hmm. So really take ownership of your path because that's one of the great things. And sometimes it can feel like a burden to constantly have to evaluate your process, but also it can feel like freedom to not have to work within somebody else's rules that you don't find fulfilling, that aren't creative for you, that don't match the wow you were hoping for. Take back the power because that's what you have as an entrepreneur, the power. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I love talking to you. <laughs> oh, I love talking to you too. And I also love when I see Academy graduates, you know, take the program and make it their own. Yeah. Make it your own. Make that company you've already dreamed of. Make that, you know, dream a reality. Yeah. And I think you've done just that. And I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I do. And I do love it. I love it. It's just like, 
it's a new adventure every every time I get off the phone call. So it is, it's just kind of figuring it out yeah. as I go. And the exciting mm-hmm. thing is you have our Facebook community with the Academy. You have one-on-one coaching with me. So we are here to support you, lift you up and help you to find your dream career. I love it. I love all you guys. It's, it's awesome. It is awesome. I agree with you. Now go <laughs> enjoy the beach and Thank let us know you. how your 14 foot ceiling works out i will let you i will take you i will take beautiful pictures or you know (laughs) as beautiful as i can take them and i will show you how they turn out so and i ignore the dog toys in the background no toys no dogs no toys thank you so much for your help your advice your tips i will put them into motion well and thank you for sharing your process not only just with me because normally this is a more intimate one-on-one experience but also with our podcast listeners I know so many of them ask me Betsy what does it really look like if I'm coached with you and and this is a really good snapshot I feel Oh good well I was happy to do it thank you so much Thank you right. Courtney and thanks everyone for listening we'll be right back with you next week Bye, Bye. asked for it and we have answered the call. For years you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.